Hi, I'm Erica. I'm Lori, and this is Homeschool Confessions. You guys, welcome back to another end of a week. So we did not talk last week, Erica, right? Because you weren't here. No, we didn't. So are, are you feeling better? I am. Yes, we, we went through a round of colds. It was one of those metered colds where it was like one person is sick. And then the next day, I don't feel good. And then the next day, I don't feel good. You know how it goes. <laughs> right. And it stretches yeah, out just enough to disrupt the whole week, you know, day by day. It develops. Anyway, but everybody is on the mend. I am on the mend and it's raining and that too will mend. (laughs) That will get better. It's good for the gardens. It's good for the gardens. So we don't even, we still have snow. (laughs) Yeah, but that's still good. A snow, a spring snow, especially is considered poor man's fertilizer. I Um, know. I know. That's what I keep telling myself. I know that's what I say too. Whenever it's spring snows, I'm like, oh, poor man's fertilizer. So, do you yep. guys take sick days in your homeschool? Do you like? Um, we we do. have to do 175 it, days, but do you take like a day where you're like, this is a sick day. I mean, to be honest with you, I tend to fall back into what I did when the kids were really little, when things were crazy, and it was like we're just listening to memory work. Like, I, I don't feel like. I feel like a lot of our days are so, so much more productive than they would be if they were in a classroom. Like, I know that sounds really judgmental, but I also feel like when my kids are sick, I'll read to them and, you know, maybe we'll watch a documentary. So I, I feel like they're learning more than they would be if they were at school and it was like, today you're going to clean out your desk. So like, I don't technically record it as a sick day, even though it's not our official full, full schedule. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's similar to what we do. So interestingly, in case anybody's wondering about homeschooling in Maine, the law says that we have to be in session and we have to have school. School has to be like in session for 175 days. So if you have one kid who's sick, you're still in session. Right. Like your other kids are still doing schoolwork. And so I still count it as a, as a day. Right. Now that one kid might've had a sick day, but especially with my kids being older, they usually have to make up that work over the weekend or something. So it's not like they're doing any less school because they had a sick right. day. Uh, when they're younger, I, I might, um, this is what I used to do is and I used to do this a lot more when they were younger. I used to be a lot more fun. I need to do this more. Like, this is the thing that bothers me about high school. High school homeschooling is that I feel like we have less freedom over our schedule mm-hmm. because we have syllabi and we have to follow the syllabi and we have accountability and all these things that happen. Like, even though some of them are just us, like, it's just our expectations. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I need to drop that off sometimes. Um, anyway, so... I used to, when they were younger, I would just throw on a documentary. Like uh, Disney nature was what we used to do when they were little, or we did uh, David Attenborough, the BBC guy. Like we were huge David Attenborough oh. people. Um, because you want to know what kind of an so awesome. mother I am? On our sick sure. day the other day, I was, I was like, you're right, kids. We could watch Animal Rescue. But I think it would be better if we learned a little bit more about Bob Dylan. So we're going to watch No Direction at Home. <laughs> yeah. That's we all great. Have priorities. See, okay, so 
in the future, our sick days should not be called sick days. It should be called like enrichment days. Exactly. Nobody feels really good today. So we're just going to watch a documentary on whales. And then we're going to watch a documentary on the Beatles. And then we're going to watch a documentary, Uh like just a food documentary. We got our nutrition for the year. We're good to go. Like Uh just to watch all those documentaries that you just have always wanted to watch. But when it's movie night, like nobody wants to watch a documentary when it's movie night. You know, it's like family movie right. night tonight. What should we watch? Oh, let's watch, you know, Forks Over Knives or some food documentary or farm to <laughs> whatever. And it's like, uh-huh. nobody wants to do that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So instead, we should, we should do it on sick days and call them enrichment days. Um, the problem with that and is they are I don't have enough sick days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. They you are. run out of they sick days if you have more than one kid. It's like, well, if it hits the parents, we're all screwed. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. (laughs) We're all toast right now. But being able to have the freedom to do that and just say, okay, don't worry about your math and your reading and all the things. Although reading is pretty easy to do when you're sick, depending on the sickness. If it's just a cold, you can read. Um, But let's do, you know, this documentary, let's do this. Today it's raining. And so one of my sons was like, today would be such a great day to do an afternoon movie. And it was like, yeah, it would be a good day for an afternoon movie, but nobody's got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have time for that. Oh. And then it's like, well, maybe if we did a documentary, it would be a little more enriching, a little more education-based. Mm-hmm. We could do that. It's Friday after all, right? It's the end of the week. So I know. why not? Why not watch yeah, a great exactly. documentary? So do that. And you know what's great me. is being able to experience that with your kids. Like my kids are, my younger kids were looking at me when Bob Dylan was really rocking out on stage and he sounds like a total weirdo. Like if you're not a Bob Dylan <laughs> fan, or if you've not heard Bob Dylan, you kind of go, uh, are you serious? Like you like this sound, you know, but I, right. I have like a genuine love for music and a genuine love for Bob Dylan. And I'm, so when my kids look at me, like, are you going to laugh at this guy right now? I'll look at them and I'll be like, cool huh? you guys. <laughs> and they're learning they're learning how to respond to things that maybe don't appeal to them without going, he sucks. <laughs> you know, right. It's good. <laughs> that is good. I feel like that must've been inspired from our conversation two weeks ago about the music that you're, when you guys got sick, you were like, well, I just talked about music. So let's do some music documentaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was definitely carried in there for sure. There you go. <laughs> it's good stuff. So it's kind of funny cause it's, it kind of makes me, it reminds me of, one of the struggles that I've always had with homeschooling, which is fitting in things like art and mm-hmm. nature study and nutrition or health. Like there's all these requirements in, especially in the main law that we have to teach like library skills, which uh, let's face it. Like, what is that? Is that using Google like search engine? You just type in what you want and it pops up. Like what's the library skill these days besides being quiet in a room and using the computer, like just <laughs> asking somebody for help. Do we don't use index cards right. anymore? So, so what's what's going right. on there? But but it's, let's well, the problem is though it. is that the librarian just googles everything. Yeah. So when they walk in, they're just like, they're just like, um, oh, I'm looking for this book, and they're like, let me Google it. It's like, did you have, do you have a degree for this? <laughs> I feel like exactly. I have a degree for degree. this. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done that. I could have done that. It's like when you ask somebody for help and they're like, well, I just do this. And I'm like, I already did that. If I, if I had not done that, I wouldn't have asked for your help. <laughs> like, hello. Um, so like there's the whole library skills thing, but at the same time, I'm of the mindset of don't 
tell the politicians that that needs to be updated because we don't want them knowing we even exist. So let's just not even go there. Okay, we'll just keep well, you know what, library though? skills. I'm a fan of it because here's the thing that I know. I know that I, first of all, I don't think kids go to the library like they should. <laughs> I heard, you know, every time we go to the library in town, no one is there. Right. It's true. I, I, mean, I just no had an image there. of your entire sick family going to the library because you're like, oh, <laughs> we're, <getting>, we're sick. <laughs> no, Nobody's I mean, like, there anyway. <laughs> nobody goes to the library anymore. And I feel like, hey, we need to be at the library. Like, you need to go to the library. You need to learn to research things. You need to find books. Like, Absolutely. you need to know mm-hmm. not only that, but like, my biggest pet peeve is when people go to the library and they don't respect the way libraries work. Like, I know that maybe I'm a bit of a traditionalist here, like in a dorky way. Kids should know where to go to find a book in the library. Like, they shouldn't need a librarian to hold their hand and say, oh, you're looking for a, you know, little house in the prairie. I'll take you there. It's like, no, you should know that this section is fiction. Do you even know what fiction is? You need to know right. how it's, who is the author of this book. So I am a fan of keeping the library skills because I feel like if we didn't, there are people who, like, kids are going to grow up and they're going to be like, you know, what's the point of a library? Right. And they're going to miss right. out. And if, any, if anybody enjoys the library, I mean, it's homeschoolers. We naturally go to the library. Anyway, I say right. that, but I haven't been since moving here because it's complicated. Okay. Our t- <laughs> it's complicated. I can't get a library card at the library close to us and all those things. And um, not every town in Maine has a library. So that's always seems like a sucker punch. Like you have to t- teach right. library skills, but your town doesn't have a library. In fact, you have to drive 15 miles to go find right. the next town's library. And you have to pay for a library card there because you're not a right. resident of that town. And you're like, right. Wow the law requires this. Um, you don't have to get a library card to go into any library, by the way. I learned that when I was a kid, we did a cross country trip when I was really little and um, really little as in like eight. And I remember going into libraries in like California. <laughs> like this is what we did nice. when we were traveling. Um, so I love the library. I think it's great to go in and learn how to use the library. I think it's also really important to teach research skills, which you don't have to do with the right. library, but it's the same idea. Like, what is a good source? You know, I teach right. debate and sometimes um, the kids will bring up a source in debate and I'm like, that's not a good source. We don't, we don't use that source. That's not right. Um, so, I mean, we have discussions about that and they learn it as they go. So if you're looking to tag that library skill thing off of your list this year, Erica, visit the library, learn how to yep. research, right? And then the only other thing I have to tell you is you got to read uh, Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library. That's oh, it. yeah. You read, read that book and do those two things, and then you're good to go. Like, you got it. Exactly. You got your library skills down. So, exactly. anyway, using sick days as enrichment days, I think, is a really good idea. And it kind of reminds me of spring and how <laughs> it's April. And we're all kind of, like, counting down to the end of May. Because mm-hmm. even though we live in Maine and most of the schools end here, like, what, the middle to the end of June? Yeah. Um, Still, we still try to end at the end of May. We we try yeah. not to go past Memorial Day. So, but but getting to the end of May from the end of April is always kind of like, what do we do? Because a lot of us garden and we want to be outside because the weather's starting to get nice and we want to go biking. So, um, we, we, there's just a lot of stuff we want to do in that month of May. But then we also have all these school things. 
So one of the things I used to do when the kids were younger was we did our spring semester. So we had three semesters. We had a fall semester and a winter semester and a spring semester. And the fall semester was 12 weeks and the winter semester was 12 weeks. And then the spring semester was six weeks, which I just realized does not give us our 35 weeks of school. I don't know what happened with those other five weeks. It must've been 15 and 15 and then five. Anyway, something like that. And, uh, the nice thing about spring semester was that we had gotten, we tried to get all of our other things done in the fall and winter semester. So our spring semester had like a focus, like, and I think we talked about that, right? That's when we would do economics or we would yeah. do um, art, like drawing, right. or we do phys ed and we'd go out mountain biking every day. And it was like part of our curriculum. We have to do this in spring semester. Um, or library skills, or gardening, or nutrition, or like these things that you could get done in five to six weeks where you could just really immerse yourself in the subject. We'd do like three or four subjects, and we would immerse ourselves in those three subjects, and that would be our six weeks. And it was great because it either required us to be outside part of the time, or it didn't take seven hours of work every day. So we could be outside in the other times. That was awesome. I love that. Um, We somehow lost it when we move south because the weather down there is just weird and doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't have that same feeling to it and now that my kids are in high school we could actually get back to it now that I say that because high school credit is between 150 and 175 credit hours which is about 160 actual hours in case anybody's wondering um a credit hour is actually only 50 minutes so because there's a 10 minute break like there's this expectation okay. that you have a 10 minute break every hour So, um, with that being said, that means that if your child was doing an hour of math a day for 30 weeks, they did 150 hours of math, which means that even though the state law says that we have to do 35 weeks or 175 days, they don't actually need to do a full 175 days of math or of science or of history or of every single subject. They just have to do school for 175 days. Right. So it's pretty easy for a high schooler to get in the 160 hours of math and science and history in 30 weeks and still have a spring semester. Right. Okay. Right. So, so some people spread it out because their kids are, their high schoolers are working part time. And so they need the extra time to work. And so they don't do necessarily five hours of math a week. So they need right. to spread it out to the 35 weeks. Other people, you know, throw it into the 30 weeks and then they take some time off. They take bigger chunks of time off to do enrichment things, which is sort of my leaning. But then that means that when we have a sick day, it's like you have to make that up on the weekend. You, we, there's right. no real buffer for right. you to have enrichment days throughout the year. So just trying to figure out what fits best for your family, I guess, is I'm thinking about this and hashing every April. I think about this and hash out the different ways to do it and be like, well, what's going to work best for our family in this situation? You know, when we were farming, we really needed that spring semester because that was lambing season and it was kidding season and we were starting to have to milk again and we had to, we had to plant the garden. And I mean, just, you just, you're so busy out in the garden. You just can't spend six hours a day inside, you know, doing your chemistry or whatever. Right. And so right now it's sort of a hash of that as it is my, my both had two boys doing biology this year. And they're reading the book independently and doing the review questions and everything. And then they have a lab they do with a group. And there, there's like 16 modules or 17 modules in the book. I don't even remember. All I know is that they only have two modules left to do when they're done with the book. And we're in April. 
and mm-hmm. online and they're doing about a module a week or two weeks depending on the module so it's like oh great you guys are almost done and i tell them when you finish the te- the book and you take the test you're done with the science for the year like i'm not going to be like oh right. we got done three weeks early you need to we need to fill three weeks with some more biology like we might watch right. a documentary but it's they did the work you know they put in the hours that was necessary to do the work and learn the material so why would i punish them with more work that doesn't make any sense right right especially if they don't like it if they love the topic then yes let's do some more but if they're like limping through and they're like man i do not like biology but i know i have to do this because you know i want to learn um i'm not going to be like you hated this topic and you worked really hard to get it done early so let's do some more (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly why would i do that that's just me i know well some my kids are about to be done with their math book. But our last official day of school isn't until June 3rd because we've got a late start in the fall. Mm-hmm. But Cecil finished his math book last week and he's like, I am done forever. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> forever? No, no, that feels wrong. It feels wrong to be like, okay, well. But the fact is, is he was doing really well. The kids are doing well. They're learning it. And I'm not going to be like, you know, like you're saying, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, you're so excited you're done. I'm going to scrounge around and find some more for you. Find you some more. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in uh, school for teaching, right, for taking teaching mm-hmm. classes to become a teacher. And I remember you had to create, like, these reports about how you were going to handle different students, like some students who are struggling with the material, like, what are you going to do to help them? And, and kids who have learning disabilities and all the things, you know, you had to create all these, like, IAP things. Well, mm-hmm. one of the, the strategies that they were like, they told you to do with students who got done early, like, oh, you have this one student who's always done with their math worksheet early or always done with this early and they're done with that early and or they're, they're just really good at it and they got it done really fast, was to give them more work. Like that was the strategy. Make sure you have an extra uh-huh. worksheet for that one student. And I remember being in college and, and hearing that over and over and being like, that seems like a really great way to encourage kids who are really good at learning to hate school. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was it that I, I just saw a clip of somebody who was it? Was it Joshua Gibbs? I don't remember who it was, but recently somebody was talking about education and the topic was teaching your students to zone out. <laughs> like, like let your kids, daydream a little if they got done with their work let them sit there like if if they're content to be like having thoughts in their head don't try to fill that up with junk food just so that they're not sitting there just thinking (laughs) like you know what I mean or or if you've got a student in like if I was teaching a math class which is you know what I normally do but if I was teaching a math class in person and I gave students an independent work thing that they, I wanted them to work on in class to finish. And they were going to do that. And then the class was going to be over. Or we weren't going to do anything after that or whatever. And I had a student yeah. who got it done and we checked it and they had done really well. And it was over and finished. And they weren't going to cause trouble. I would just in, encourage them to do something else they're interested in. Like, oh, get right. some homework from some other class done. Or if you're reading a really great novel right now, just pull it out and read while you wait. Like right, you don't exactly. need to be thrown busy work to fill this time. That is a terrible. Right. You get rewarded for hard work. <laughs> you don't get punished. <laughs> yeah. Like what is that? But that's what it was consistently. Cause it was like, you know, it, it's 
you go to teacher college, which is what it used to be called way back in the day. And I'm not that old, but that's what I, I said. And, and Shirley, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You, te- you go to teacher college to learn how to manage crowds. That's the only thing you're doing there really is right. like, how do you handle having all of these different people who have different minds, who have different ideas, who have different interests, who work at different paces, who have different struggles and, and different, you know, strengths. How do you, how do you manage all of them? That's what you're, that's essentially what you're being taught. And right. It's not because you have, you are like this, you have all this amazing knowledge on all the topics that you've, you've been determined to be qualified to teach all of them. Right. It's like a doctor. Yeah. I mean, I just went to, the, to my doctor's appointment the other day and I said, well, would this cause this? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Let me look. And he Googled it. (laughs) It's like, what qualifications are we basing your doctorate on here? Like, how are you a doctor? (laughs) Right. But at the same time, we don't expect teachers to know everything. And we don't expect doctors to know everything. Right. Well, we do. We do expect them to. (laughs) But we have to accept that they cannot know everything. (laughs) Right. That's not realistic. I don't know everything. Even though I told my son that the other day this week, he said something and uh, something about where he had put something. And I said, Oh, it's, it's on the left side of the blah, 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 whatever. And he goes, how did you know that? And I'm walking into the house and I go, because I'm omniscient. I know everything. <laughs> and then, and then said, you were struck by lightning. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't jest." And I looked over and I was like, man, I hope everybody knows I'm just kidding. You know? And then he goes, he goes, mom, can I have some ice cream for breakfast? And I said, no. And he goes, wow, you do know everything. <laughs> and he walks out. <laughs> Which is just oh, a joke. Funny. He totally knows he's not three. He's 10. Like he knows it's <laughs> a joke. And he was kidding. And he, he knew the answer to the ice cream question was no. You know, and it's like, he was just setting it up. It's just uh-huh. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You know how many times I have to tell my kids, I don't know everything. I don't know everything, you know? Yeah, I I don't have to say that as much. My kids know I don't know everything. What I do have to tell them is that I can't read minds or see into the future. I have to remind them of that a lot. They'll say, oh, yeah. well, when are they getting here? I, and I'll, like, put my fingers to my temples, and I'll be like, hang on, let me check. <laughs> I'm like, no, see, I don't know because they're driving in the car. Maybe they had to get gasoline. Maybe somebody had to go to the bathroom. I don't know when they're pulling in the driveway. Stop asking me, you know? (laughs) They expect us to know everything. They do. They really do. do. I don't understand that, but they do. Well, it's because we did know everything. At some point in their life, we knew everything they needed to know. Now, I just, I don't know everything that they need to know, you know? Especially on their papers and assignments from co-op. I'm like, I don't know. I Okay, so I teach the debate class, right? And every week. And so part of the class is that at the end of class, I email all of the parents. And I have middle and high schoolers. So a lot of them are on the list directly. My kids included. So I email them the assignment for the week and like a recap. This is what we talked about. Here's the assignment. Okay? It's very basic. Mm-hmm. It's very short. It's to the point. I send it out to the parents and some kids. My kids get this email because I forget to tell them otherwise because I'm that kind of parent. So I do this every week and every week I have a kid look at me and say, what's the assignment for debate this week? And I look at them and I'm like, I don't know. 
did you read the email? <laughs> and they're looking at me like, you wrote the email, mom. You should write know what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's I funny. put it in the email so I wouldn't have to remember. Okay. <laughs> this is well, why best, I put it in the email. The best is that, I mean, the kids, they're going to become wise, right? Like they're going to learn at a certain age, they start to realize, oh, mom, I brought mom this question and she doesn't know the answer. And they're, they get accustomed to that because we're also modeling that we are also learners. Like we are learning mm-hmm. we, throughout your life. You are going to be a learner. That's the goal. Like learn even into adulthood. Right. And, but there are times where you have like very humbling moments. Like, and this is, this has come up a few times since, since my oldest has been doing her um, art of argument. And I'm not, I don't, she doesn't like it. And I don't particularly care for it either, to be honest with you. Um, I thought that she would just find it to be a breeze and it would just be like busy work until the end of the year because she had finished her first logic and she understands it fine, but it's written for a classroom. So a lot of it'll be like, I'll be like, Oh, do this assignment. And she's like, mom, it's just to pick three people to do this with. And it's like, okay, so we have to ignore that part, you know? And like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm looking at things for the first time, like she'll bring it to me and she'll go, I don't know what this means. And I'll read it. And I'll be like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm rereading it. And I'm like, wait a second. That's not what that word means. Where are they getting this from? And she's like, oh, <laughs> and it just kind of becomes this, like, neither one of us know. And then I have to like find my bearings spur of the moment because I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I'm not reading every single book that all of my kids are reading. I'm not, you know what I mean? So it's like, we're, we're learning things together and it's going to become clear pretty quick that we don't always know. And that's okay. Sometimes we get stuck and I'll say, you know what? This is so confusing what they're asking you to do here. I feel confident in telling you to not do this right now. Like, I want you to just do this. Like, and we have to do that because we're involved and we know where our kids are at with their, what they're learning. And we, we know where we are. We we have to, we know where we are. We have to draw the line. I don't understand this. I'm not going to be able to grade this assignment. So just, (laughs) I find that like some of, some of my kids math, like two of them, well, three of them are in math mammoth and two of them are, I think it's fourth grade. And, um, I will, uh, they'll like, they'll be cruising along doing, doing really well on whatever they're learning, you know? And then the author of the book is like, now for something different, try this. And they'll undo everything that they just did for the past three weeks. And they're like, this isn't how it's done, but give it a try. And it's like, no, (laughs) I don't want them to give this a try. They're getting confused. (laughs) And now they're wondering if they even knew how to add fractions at all. (laughs) I don't want to do this. Oh, how frustrating. Yeah, that's, you know, the one way that I am, that I'm sure I've been humbled in front of my children and all of my students, actually, all of them have, have experienced this at this point is I struggle to enunciate and pronounce words. I can't. Really? I, I know we're talking, we're speaking on a podcast right now, so I'm assuming that most people can understand what I'm saying. But when I'm reading out loud or I'm reading in a book and there's a word I 
have never seen before, I have to sound it out. And usually I get it wrong. Like nine times out of 10, I cannot pronounce this word. So at this point, I, I have specific students that I'll be like, how do you pronounce that? So here I am the teacher. And it's like, I cannot pronounce some words. There's just, I just can't do it. Like I struggle to pronounce words and my kids know that. And I have students who all know that by now. And it's like, yep, this is something I can't do. I'm so sorry. But at the same time, it shows you I'm human. And just because you might struggle with something like not pronouncing words doesn't mean you're destined to be stupid because I'm certainly not stupid. Right. And (laughs) you're not stupid either. (laughs) Well, words are, words are funny things. And I, I feel like the most fun we've ever had is, is words that we didn't know, like when we're reading, and so I don't know if I told you this already, but we're we're in the book of numbers right now um, with, <laughs> with, with the, the kids and with the names. And they, so how it is, is we're doing this Old Testament survey course and it's really great. I would highly recommend it. Um, it's from Logos Press. And it just, they do a great job drawing out like super important things. Like they may, really make you think it's, it's a really great curriculum. Um, but the uh so i have them each um take turns reading like we'll split up the chapter and everybody will read a certain number of verses which side note is it's not <laughs> it's not necessary to make them all use a different translation <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just because you feel like you want them to get used to that it is not necessary to put them through that torment um so anyway, we have, I came around and got them all the same one, which has just been loads better. Um, anyway, so they'll each take turns reading. So I think it was like a week or two ago, um, Maurice is reading and it was a section of names and he was doing really well. And he's one of the names, I think it was like Gamalia or something like that. And he goes, and Gamalia, and he goes, oh, that's where they got it. <laughs> I was like, that's where they got what? He's like, Gmail. Yeah. Oh my word! And I was like, I was like, that'd be great if that's where Google got it from. But it's I not. And that. I mean, the kids are just dying. And and this morning, this morning, one of the one of the sons was Shittim. <laughs> and I mean, it's just like we have like this is supposed to be serious, and I don't know how to pronounce them. Like, I am not a Hebrew scholar. I don't look at Old Testament names and be like, oh, it's actually this. I mean, I'm doing my darndest. I feel like I do a pretty fair job because I've been listening to scripture my whole life. I can say a lot of the words, but sometimes you look at it and it's like, I'm not sure how that would be pronounced accurately. And now we're all in a fit of laughter and we can't stop and we're not going to make it through the chapter. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if I had taken Hebrew? (laughs) But we learn. It's funny because I think I do a fairly good job with like names. It's mm-hmm. in the Bible, biblical names in studying Latin has helped with that a little bit because of the emphasis on different syllables and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's English words. I can't pronounce like <laughs> <laughs> words that are in English. I wonder if it's my first language sometimes. No, I know it is, but it's just one of those things. Where, and the, especially when you're in classical education and you have these things like in debate, we have terms for different rhetorical devices. And uh, one of them is a posiopasis. And I have had to say that word over and over and over and over again in order to say it correctly. I could not say it correctly. And there's like anaphora. And I don't know if it's anaphora 
or anaphora. I have no idea which one's appropriate. Huh. I just don't know. And I can't, I just, I always put the emphasis on the wrong one. Like antithesis, I say antithesis sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say antithesis. And apparently my kids have teachers who say either one. And so they're always like, oh. when do I say antithesis? And when do I say antithesis? And I'm like, <sighs> I have no idea. They're spelled the same uh-huh. way. And it's like blessed or blessed. What yeah. is it? Are you blessed or are you blessed? How do you know? <laughs> it depends on if it's a poem that needs the two syllables or not. It's, it's a lot of work to learn all of this. It really is. Yeah. So we're reading our read aloud for our book club right now is um, a fiction book called um, Sweet Home Alaska. And it's cute. It's fraught with unhealthy um, views on the family and feminism. Okay. Just side note. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, which is fine. I mean, we we read books and we have conversations about them. Um, however, and it's 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 rather it's an undertone of the story. It's not an overt um, topic. But um, the main character's name, which I was so annoyed right away because it was the first word of the book was her name, and I was like, oh, here we go, is Terpsichor. And I, of course, looked it up on how do you pronounce this? And I looked it up because it's the, what is it, Greek muse of dance or whatever. And so I, I listened to, now this is, this is what happens to me. I don't know if anyone else does this, but I feel like if it's, if it, the source is from the UK, I feel like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I've always that's sort of gone back favoritism. to the motherland. <laughs> I'm just like, they must. <laughs> No, so it's this guy, this this channel on YouTube that does pronunciations, and he has a very British accent, and he's like, "This is how we pronounce," and and so it was terpsichor, and so it's like, okay, it's terpsichor, we get it now, and so we've been reading it, and so then we get together with my, you know, with our cousins to do this book club, and she's like, she's like, no, it's terpsichory, and I'm like, no, it's not. And it's like, well, that's how the mother pronounces her name in the book. And then, and then my sister-in-law is like, well, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it's actually pronounced terpsichor, terpsichory, with the emphasis. And I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I can't take it. Like, I need to know. The British guy says terpsichor. I'm going with it, you know? <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Like, you just don't. I don't know. I feel like I need someone who really knows languages to tell me like, this is how you pronounce this. And let me practice it over and over and over again, because Mm -hmm. I won't, you know, and we say different in my house. Also, we say different words, different, just because like I say schedule instead of schedule, just because, or advertisement, Mm -hmm. I say advertisement Mm -hmm. instead of advertisement, just because that's what we do. Or is my family the only family that says things like, um, Oh, escape from Finding Nemo instead of escape. Like my family legitimately says escape now. Escape. Oh, escape we don't instead of escape. We don't. But what we do say is fragile. <laughs> yes. Okay. Fragile. Oh, that's we do a good that one. too. Yep. Yeah, we do that one. And then uh, we say fajitas instead of fajitas. We know it's fajitas, people. We're not idiots, okay? <laughs> we just like to pronounce it different. Jalapenos? Funny. Jalapenos? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nice. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm, married, I'm married to someone who is from Wisconsin, and there are things, there are pronunciations. He's not doing it on purpose, but to me, it sounds like, it's like, what are you talking about? So he, he'll say, 
if the word is unto, he'll say onto. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what it is. It's unto. But then he also says theater. So all of my kids call it the movie theater. And boy, does that drive me nuts. Oh, that's theater. weird. Theater. Mm-hmm. But it's that is not theater. how that's pronounced. <laughs> it is. Well, okay, so how does he spell West it? of the Mississippi. <laughs> how does he spell it? Uh, I've never does seen him write it? it. I have no idea. E R or R E? Because I could see the argument for it being theater if it's E R, but if it's R E, then there's no argument for theater. It's theater. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to have him write it down sometime. And I got to find that out now. This is going to drive me nuts. <laughs> anyway, we probably should wrap up, Erica. We have things to do on this beautiful Friday, and I'm sure people listening to us are like, "All right, people, we have stuff to do today." <laughs> <laughs> Not as important as what you're doing right now. That's I'm right. kidding. Exactly. I'm listening kidding. to us we talk about words. Okay. So as I leave on this rainy day, if for some, by some mm-hmm. miracle, we have time to watch a documentary this afternoon, what do you suggest we watch? Oh, okay. This is supposed to be a quick question. All right. So like, sorry, you out. can't do that to me. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> We're in the middle of watching no direction home about Bob Dylan. Um, you have to remember the context here. I mean, this is art and music. So this is during the time of people like Allen Ginsberg. So he is featured on this documentary. It is not, if you're looking for something put out by Pure Flicks, this is not it. However, I think it is very worth your time. There you go. Okay. Oh, wait, I have okay. one more thing. And it's not a documentary. I'm sorry. But we are listening to the audiobook of The Code of the Worcesters by P.G. Woodhouse. <laughs> and it's read by Jonathan Cecil or Cecil, right? Which mm-hmm. one is it? We don't yeah. know. But it is so well done. It's on Audible, and it's so well done, and we are enjoying it so much. So I would highly recommend that also. Awesome. Thank you. We will go do that. <laughs>